1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Happy
2: Monday to you. Colonel Jeff McCausland is the national security uh, consultant for CBS, and he's been with us many, many times. We always appreciate the colonel. Uh, Jeff, how are you,
3: my friend? Dave, I'm doing well. It looks like a little snow outside. It seems like it's the same for you in St. Louis. Yeah. Where are you calling from, colonel? I am in southern Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it. It's pretty much everywhere. Like, we're just talking about the—I the, didn't know that they named storms in the winter, but it's— storm Heather is hitting the Ooh. South. Yeah. Like in, in, in Memphis and, uh, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, they're really getting hit. Um, so Colonel, I, I saw a story today that uh, president Joe Biden has not spoken to Benjamin Netanyahu in several weeks going on a couple of months that there's, uh, there's obviously a rift that, uh, the Joe Biden and the Biden administration would like to see the Israel conduct the war a little differently than they are a little more strategically. And, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu over the weekend said, no one, not the Hague, no one's going to tell us how to uh, prosecute this war. So giant question, but you take it where you want, because we spoke to you when the war first started and uh, a few weeks ago, and here we are a few months into, and what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I think clearly the goals and objectives of the United States and the goals and objectives of Israel in this conflict overlap, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily coincident. I might question how often Mr. Biden has spoken with Netanyahu, and I would point out to everybody that shortly after the war began, the president made a rather unprecedented, I thought, trip to Israel to sort of embrace Netanyahu and embrace the Israeli people after the catastrophic event of 7 October, in which over 1,200 Israelis were killed. And we also have seen, I think one just wrapped up last week, very frequent trips by the cabinet to the Middle East to speak to Netanyahu and others. And Blinken was just there last week in Israel and elsewhere. I think that was his fourth trip or so. Uh, Secretary of defense often had been out there prior to his recent illness, uh, but clearly the United States is becoming more and more, I think, uh, pressured uh, by the notion that uh, Israel is conducting this conflict in a fashion that has resulted now in many believe 24,000 Palestinians mm. being killed, at least twice that many being injured, 2 million people Uh, being pushed out of their homes, 80% of the homes and buildings throughout the Gaza Strip being destroyed or damaged, and really an unprecedented bit of warfare for the first 100 days of a conflict, and believing that while I think Austin summed it up well, while the Israelis might might, uh, enjoy a tactical success by defeating or destroying, as they say they want to, Hamas, long-term strategically, uh, they may find themselves more and more isolated Mm. uh, in the Middle East and around the world, And as even one of their former heads of intelligence said, you know, we will be fighting their grandchildren the way where things are going right now.
2: Yeah. So, Colonel, when a guy like me watches and I've never spent a day in the military, I don't know what I'm talking about. uh, And and you certainly do. You you have been there. You've done this. You Mm -hmm. have taken men into uh, uh, warfare like this when you are watching it on your television. Is it surprising to you the sort of kinetic war that they've been waging so far?
3: Yes, it is. I mean, not from the technology and the capabilities. I recognize the capabilities are there. <clears throat> but the fact of how they're conducting this particular conflict, uh, certainly in a very heavily urbanized area, the I mean, Gaza Strip is one of the most urbanized areas on the planet Earth. I mean, my goodness, uh, they have literally, con- I think, conducted over 20,000 strikes with artillery or missiles or bombs on the Gaza Strip, an area of about 125 square miles, about the, twice the size of Las Vegas. and that, That's three or four times the number of ordnance we dropped on a rock over the period of several years. Um, and as a consequence, that concern about uh, what you're going to do the day after this conflict is over. Mm. And in fact, are you so isolating yourself internationally? Are you so estranging yourself from any possibility of negotiating with some successor organization in the Gaza Strip that you end up really in sort of a third intifada where you're occupying the Gaza Strip interminably Mm. and suffering through low-level violence on an almost endless basis? And even worse than that, does this continue to threaten the possibility of horizontal escalation, which might result in a regional conflict bringing in the Houthis from Yemen, Hezbollah in southern Lebanon and Syria, Iraqi groups that have struck U.S. bases over 100 times in Iraq and Syria, and potentially even Iran.
2: So, uh, Colonel, you led me right where I wanted to go, the Houthis and the Red Sea and hitting our, our war fighters. So I've never served in the military, but I'm Scottish and I have a temper and I get my blood up. And every time I see a report like this, I just want to go end it for all of these guys. These these small groups daring to attack the United States military. Uh, are we doing the right thing? Do you think we're handling this the right way? Well,
3: we're walking this tightrope uh, that we... With uh, uh, the Houthis, for example, what I said for a long time was deterrence by denial. As they launched a missile or a drone, either in the direction of a ship or at Israel, we just shot them down. So we're basically saying, we're going to deny you what you're doing. It's a waste of time, and then you should just stop doing that. While at the same time saying, look, we reserve the right to respond more broadly. About a week ago, they we launched a missile that landed near a U.S. Uh, flag vessel, a commercial ship, but a U.S. flag vessel, Nonetheless, it was loaded with jet fuel. If that particular vessel had been struck, it would have been catastrophic potentially for the crew as well as for commercial shipping in the vicinity. And we've seen a dramatic drop off in commercial shipping to the Red Sea, which has an effect on the global economy. And then the United States conducted airstrikes against Houthi targets in the last week or so, hitting about 60 different locations using about 100 precision-guided munitions. But subsequently... The Houthis now have struck back against a missile in the direction of a U.S. naval vessel, which did not strike it. And in the last 24 hours or so, actually struck a commercial vessel with a missile. No injuries, but the in fact, the vessel was damaged. So now this change of strategy of striking back, now deterrence through punishment is the question, whether this will suffice to, in fact, get the Houthis to cease and desist in these attacks, which is having a very deleterious effect on international commerce, or not. That remains the question, or must we expand this to more and more airstrikes, and will those result in the Houthis striking back at our ships, striking back at allied naval vessels, striking back at U.S. bases in the region? We have forces in Saudi Arabia perhaps fracturing the very fragile ceasefire that exists in a war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen that could ignite that again. That remains to be seen what will in fact happen.
4: Colonel, this may be an oversimplification as far as the question goes, but are they are, are the Houthis an easier group to target because they do possess so much land and they're a much larger kind of, I don't know, they're, you know based on what's gone on with the civil war there, it's not like what Hamas does. They live in a hospital or they're in the middle of a, a civilian area. Are they as difficult to target or are they easier to target for that kind of retribution?
3: We're talking about different targeting. In the case of Hamas, we're talking about targeting really forces. They have pretty much taken out their ability to fire indirect in terms of missiles. They're still firing one or two missiles or mortars every single day, but a dramatic downturn. So that that has been neutralized. Now you're trying to dig out uh, Hamas forces that, in some cases, are in, in tunnels which are like the you know larger than the London subway system, and, and also, of course, immersed inside of a society. You know, as I said, the Gaza Strip being one of the most densely populated places on the planet. So there's 24,000 casualties or are killed in the Gaza Strip. The vast majority of those are civilians, women and children, quite frankly. Uh, and so Hamas is able to use those as protection. In the case of the Houthis, you're trying to take out a capability, and that is their ability to launch missiles against naval forces or against our, our bases in the region. That means you're looking for missile sites, looking for radar, looking for command and control. Most of that is mobile, and they can move it around. And that makes targeting more difficult. Also, they are also very, very willing to position those radars, missiles, command and control uh, inside urban areas, mm-hmm. even though it's a larger land area, and use that civilian population, if you will, as a bit of a shield because they know full well that we'll try to avoid the collateral damage and the, and the killing of innocent civilians. Uh,
2: if you're tuning in, we're talking to our friend Colonel Jeff McCausland, uh, CBS National Security Consultant. So, Colonel, last question here. We all know the story now that Defense Secretary Austin, uh, over the holidays, was getting some treatment, some surgery for uh, prostate cancer, very personal matter, medical matter. But evidently, uh, the news didn't make it to the people it needed to make it to. In your experience, were we really in uh, any sort of danger there for those few days, or is this more of a political talking point?
3: I think it's mostly the latter. I mean, the the system still operated. Uh, Austin was able to communicate from where he was. His deputy eventually was informed. Uh, But that being said, this is somewhat unprecedented. And I'll have to say, I don't know Lloyd Austin uh, well. I think he and I have met once or twice in my career. I do know from his time in the Army, four-star general led men in combat up through every command you can think of. Very, very highly guarded public servant with many, many years of public service in the military and now as Secretary of Defense. I think basically he's done a pretty good job for the last couple of years, as SECDEF, one of the most stressful jobs that one can imagine. But I do think in this particular case, he made a serious error in judgment in not informing initially his deputy, Kathleen Hicks, who's Deputy Secretary of Defense and therefore fully qualified to assume responsibilities for these kinds of health matters, uh, as well as the chain of command, particularly the president, National Security Advisor and, and the like. And as a consequence then, This now has become a political matter, and we have this now as a political football in Congress and people calling for his resignation and people calling for hearings. And right in the middle of the onset of election year, it becomes a political football.
2: Uh, Colonel, you're the best. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir.
3: My pleasure, guys.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm. All of it.
4: Don't know what to make of all of it either, you know. I mean, like especially the the last one with Secretary of Defense. I, mean, I, I think all of these things are kind of two things at once, right? Yeah, there's a problem here, or maybe that should have been done differently, or maybe it is a sign of something bad. But no matter what, it's got to be blown up into something bigger than yeah. it actually is.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Everything I know about Secretary Austin is positive. <laughs> Everyone makes mistakes. This was a pretty big one. But the argument, as I understand it, that Republicans are making is that, hey, we're in the middle of all these things going on. This was a terrible mistake to make by omission. And it uh, it's just a terrible time to do this. Well, it's also a terrible time to try to get rid of the defense secretary who, other than this one thing, seems to be
4: doing a great job. Yeah. Well, the nonsensical part of it is – if you would react the same way if your guy was the president, then it would be a legitimate point. But we play this game in politics where when the other team does it, we're going to criticize it and say it's terrible, and when the other team or when our team does it, we're just not going to say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit back and be quiet. Yeah. You know, and I, that's the unproductive part. That's where it becomes
2: So, Rach, the four kids.
5: Oh man! So, a a couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that I had kept seeing on TikTok like these young girls going through their five, six, seven step skincare routine, which they really don't need at all. I mean, whenever I was (laughs) nine, I had no skincare routine. (laughs) I guess I might, I washed my face when I was taking my bath, but like, I didn't use like moisturizers and retinol cream and all this stuff. Well, it's picking up steam and more and more kids are getting really into these high-end skincare products to the point where all over my TikTok anyway, there are Sephora employees and other adults complaining about these 10, 11-year-old girls coming into the store and buying brands like uh, the ladies out there will know Drunk Elephant, I'm going to be honest, Drunk Elephant is way too expensive for me, and there are 10-year-olds whose parents are buying it for them. Or uh,
4: Yes, Dave did. Oh, no. <laughs> but your kids are 10, though. No, true. True. Yeah. But,
2: but, uh, but... I should have been my picture should have been in this story because I already told this on Christmas. I was in a panic. I'm at the Galleria. I went to Sephora. I'm like, they've got things. And I just uh, had someone help me. And it's an 18 year old girl. And the guy's like, what's she like? I'm like, mean. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like me with longer hair and she's really mean. <laughs> and he's like, I got you. So I got like eight things. None of them over an ounce. and It was. Almost $300.
5: Oh, yeah. Phew. I mean, makes sense. Did you have to elbow any 10-year-olds out of the way in order to make your purchase? It was
4: packed. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Is it weird to buy things for 10-year-olds that are labeled drunk?
5: That is a little strange. I mean... Am I, I,
4: like, being weird about that? Because it just seems like I don't know that I want to introduce the concept of drunk to my 10-year-old.
5: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're taking it a step further. To me, I'm more troubled by the fact that a 10-year-old... Has a skincare routine, right? Right. That they feel like their skin is aging when their skin. Good point. I mean, they won't need it for twenty years. It's it's more of just a societal problem, and I and I see that. You know, these videos of like, watch me do my skincare routine. They're popular. I personally, I really like watching them, but I'm an adult woman. I can actually pick up tips from these influencers or whoever it is creating these videos. These 10-year-olds, they don't need to do all of these things for the face. In a lot of cases, dermatologists are saying, no, these products are far too rough on a 10-year-old yeah. skin. They yeah. shouldn't be doing So I've known you a
2: long time. In hindsight, did you start in on a skincare routine too early as well?
5: No, because I didn't really have one until I was about 25, and then I started—and then I didn't even use, like, retin. Again, like, people out there will know, like, retinol. I started using that at about 27 or 28, but, I mean, I still just use a brand called— um, Oh gosh, Moxema. I don't verse or not. It's not verse. <laughs> I don't think that's it.
4: Moxema.
5: But it's just like a, remember that from
4: sunburns. It,
5: it's kind of like the ordinary. If you know the ordinary, it's very cheap. So I just use like the base, you know, ingredient for that sort of thing. You do hear about baby Botox. That's when what? girls in their twenties get Botox. You know, like twenty-four and twenty-five years old, they get Botox as a way. They say it's preventative. You don't, there's nothing to prevent when you are 25, you don't have wrinkles that you need to, it's just, we're just kind of going wild with it. Well,
2: a huge percentage of men who take Viagra are in their twenties, college age guys. Mm -hmm.
4: You know, the other thing I can think of that's similar is because I'm around a lot of high school and junior high athletes, energy drinks. Mm. What do you need an energy drink for when you're 14? (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) You're
5: 14. You have all the energy you could ever need. But
4: they see everybody else. It's cool. Yeah. Right? All the older guys have them and all the cool people and the influencers are doing it. And I wonder if it's just that. Like we always imitated whoever we idolized. Is it it that with the girls that are...
5: I absolutely think it's just them, them emulating what they see, but it's just getting to the point where a lot of people are finding it super ridiculous when you're spending hundreds of dollars on skincare when you don't need any skincare at all.
6: Yeah.
2: 335 DGS on KMOX. We are the only ones in the building today. They lit. I came in today at about 11, and all the lights were off. <laughs> I almost turned around. I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Can't do a show. The lights uh, are out, and uh, it is only marginally warmer inside than outside. Not sure oh, what's going on. We're with in the one of the warm
4: rooms here. Yes, and this is not as warm as it usually yeah, is. It was tough. The- the what do we call that office where we eat lunch? Bullpen. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, it's like 30 degrees in there. Mm. Yeah. It was
7: bad. Yeah. Dave Murray joins us. Hello, Dave. Well, the, you know, management just said, hey, nobody's coming in. So uh <laughs> Dave, turn yeah. it off. Turn the heater. Dave, turn the heat off. That's exactly
2: what they did. Uh, Everyone who matters is staying. Hey, home. hey, look, it's a Shin Young commercial. I think I'm on this one. <laughs> oh.
4: Hey, I see you. Dave, I, I tried out for Shin Young and right? I got in.
2: Um No. <laughs> So, uh, first things first, I was watching the news today and they were talking about uh, storm, winter storm Heather. I didn't know that we named winter storms.
7: The Weather Channel names them. Oh, um, get out. Are you serious? So stop it. That's so stupid. The, <laughs> it is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> get them, Dave. I wouldn't even so think
2: they'd
4: be allowed to do
2: that. So, it's not I, I, an they, official they, they, thing.
7: Been, no, it's not an official thing, and they've been doing it for about five years or so. And oh. I said it was the dumbest thing ever when they started oh, doing it. God, okay, it's like, come on.
2: Well, they—I mean—I see why they do it because it got me. I'm like, oh my god, this is like a hurricane. You know, <laughs> Here they, comes Heather. It's, it's got a name. Uh, okay, so speaking of Heather, uh, I see that there are there's a lot of snow relatively coming in south of
7: us. Yes, it, it, it looks like it on radar. Anyway, uh, it's a fine, dry snow. Just, you know, it has to be with the temperatures uh, that are going on right now. The surface will accept it very quickly. And and between, you know, the atmosphere's got to get kind of saturated that takes a long time so but between now and about eight nine o'clock tonight we will see a band of light dry snow come by less than an inch accumulation but it this dry snow is a little extra slick compared to our sloppy slushy type stuff we normally get so if you're going to be out and about and you're in snow be aware, that the roads are going to be a little little wonky.
2: Okay. Um, so this weekend was just as advertised, and, you know, I like the cold. Uh, my Jeep still didn't have a window in it, and I can come to terms with anything down to about 20.
7: This was just stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, just dumb. Just looking at the numbers, on Sunday morning, we hit minus 7 degrees. The record was minus 9 for that date. So we didn't break a record, but it was the coldest we've been since a minus 8 on January 8th of 2014. Maybe wondering, "Boy, what's the coldest ever?" Mm. Minus 22 in St. Louis from January 5th of 1884. Also, the high on Sunday, the high temperature was only 2 degrees, and that was a record. That's the coldest high temperature Ever for January fourteenth
2: in eighteen eighty four. I wonder what the technology was to heat your home.
7: A fire, maybe. Stove? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, metal stove. Did Not they like have today. those back then? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't so, Dave, but it had to be wicked cold.
2: You're mad at the Weather Channel. I'm mad at the people I saw over the weekend running. <laughs> I, live by a, I live by a park, and these a holes are out there. I'm like, you know what? Unless someone is chasing you with a knife, take a day <laughs> off. Take a day off. <laughs> Find a treadmill yeah, but, somewhere.
7: Yeah. Do you think some of that though is, hey, look at me? Oh, yeah, better than you. Hundred
4: percent.
2: I'm tough. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm telling you. I haven't ran i years. Freezing parts of my body.
4: Are they running in like running gear or do they have like parkas and stuff on?
2: No, like running gear. Yeah.
4: Come yeah. on, that's nuts. Take that's a day off. Nuts. It
7: is nuts. Yeah. So uh how's the week looking, Dave? Okay, tomorrow's still cold, though we're gonna see a fair amount of sunshine, but it's still windy, sixteen for the high. The wind chill in the morning will be minus eighteen, wind chill in the afternoon, zero to minus five. Clear and cold Tuesday night down to about eight. Wednesday's an interesting day. It's a sunny day. It's still going to be windy and it's going to be a very cold start. But we should hit a high of thirty-five on Wednesday afternoon. Mm. But it will be windy. But 35, even with some wind, will probably feel pretty good. Clouds and a couple of snow flurries around on Thursday, 35 degrees. That's an Arctic cold front coming in. So we're back to cold with high temperatures around 20 degrees Friday and Saturday. So not as cold as the last few days. And then we get into the seesaw pattern of temperatures for about three weeks before what I think will be another cold shot the middle of February.
5: Okay. Okay. Headlines, Rach. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get your groceries delivered or use curbside pickup with the Schnucks Rewards app. Okay, earlier we were talking about Mark Zuckerberg and his herd of cattle and his underground bunker, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the world's richest people, of which uh, Mark Zuckerberg... You know, he can call himself one of those. Mm-hmm. They have doubled their wealth since 2020. This is according to a report from Oxfam. The five wealthiest people in the world who are Elon Musk, Bernard Bernard Arnault, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, and Mark Zuckerberg have more than doubled their money since 2020, increasing their combined wealth from $405 billion to $869 billion.
2: That's fine. I saw that in the next 10 years, we'll have our first trillionaire. That's fine,
4: too. No problems there. That will be Taylor Swift, right? No issues. No, nothing weird about that. Not harming anyone. It's all good.
5: The same report claims that more than 5 billion people worldwide have gotten poorer since
4: 2020. That's fine. (laughs) No problem. At least we know
5: where their money went. It's all working out. Yeah, it's all fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's like, it all evens out for me. <laughs> all right, Zombie Burger in Des Moines, Iowa is having fun with the Iowa caucuses with some creative culinary inventions. They have some specials. Would you guys like to hear the names? I think this kind of yes. stuff is kind of fun, but I could see Dave hating this. Let's see. <laughs> um, on Friday, the restaurant featured a vegetarian dish, Mama Swami's spaghetti. And a spicy, dark Brandon shake. because Was,
4: was Amy Marks involved with this at all? <laughs> yeah.
5: She was on the creative team. She was on the creative team. But that, of course, is because Vivek uh, wrapped Eminem at one of his rallies. Mm. So mom's spaghetti. Yesterday, there was a DeSantis special uh, called the Meatball Ron with a <laughs> hidden garlic bread lift in honor of his footwear. Lift!
4: Ah. All right. Yeah. I like that one.
5: And then the Trump special is the day one dictator <laughs> with a <laughs> flaming Hot that. Cheetos Good. and Good. Russian Next time dressing. Say
7: that a little faster, Rachel. Okay? A little faster. It's yes. okay. No
2: one's listening today. <laughs> it's got Russian dressing.
4: <laughs> he just made Ethan look up. Oh, my God. These people are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's never had a dictator. They're cold. Is there any more? I want more of these. Nope.
2: That's all I oh, Those all are stone got. cold. <laughs> <laughs> those, those last ones are pretty good yeah <laughs> I, would, I would be proud of those i would order the meatball wrong yeah i yeah.
4: mean that's the good one like they didn't do they didn't do one for Nikki haley huh
5: i guess not or
2: maybe that one just wasn't funny enough to
4: yeah oh, good point good point all right i guess they can't all be wins if right I'm the
2: only one i i don't like desantis but i have a soft spot in my heart for him he's like a bar of ivory soap came to life and put on moon boots. I mean, I just.
5: I, Dave, I feel the same way. It's because he's so awkward yes. that I have this soft spot yes. for him. I'm like, oh, you poor guy. You're just trying to appear human and you can't. And it makes me feel bad. I and know. I want to help you somehow.
4: I know I'm the jerk in the room, but I can't feel sorry for someone that's picking fights all the time.
5: I mean, that's fair.
4: I mean, that's all he does is pick fights with people. I mean, so you got to you, when it when it's your turn to be the target, you're going to get what you give.
5: I was watching a little bit of the debate last week, and at one point, Nikki Haley turned to him and said, you're so desperate.
2: You're just so desperate. And I was like, ow.
4: (laughs) What a thing to
5: say. And we all knew that it was true. It was horrible. I mean, he
2: was eating finger
4: (laughs) pain. Yeah, but if you're the guy that like you're, I'm going to thump my chest and pick every fight I can pick in my home state, but don't pick on me. I mean, come on, man. If you're going to be the guy that's always thumping your chest, then you got to take it.
5: It's true. According to a study by Help Advisor, new research shows that the average American household spends more than $1,000 per month on groceries. Tracks. Yes. Uh, Households with children spend an average of, uh, basically they're spending 41% higher than households without children. That $1,000 per month Mm. figure is just for the non-children household. So it's expensive out there, people.
2: Uh, it doesn't matter what I buy at the grocery store; it's always over a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I could go in and buy a Celsius, yep. <laughs> yeah. and like, they could say one hundred eighteen. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> sounds right. That's fair. <laughs>
5: Joe Biden and his allies have raised $97 million in the last three months of 2023. The Biden campaign attributed this fundraising haul to strong and growing grassroots enthusiasm.
2: You know, I know I I get it. I know it's important. But I don't know how I'm sure someone out there does how much money has been spent in Iowa alone for 126,000 people. I know that's only like four Bush stadiums. You know, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. Probably, I bet you they've spent 10 grand, 20 grand per person. It's nuts.
7: Probably. It's got to be the same in New Hampshire, too. right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Just crazy. That's always made my head hurt
5: when it comes to elections, just the millions that fly out the door just to get the result that you I I mean, like, there's no guarantee that you're going to see a return on that investment. What if we just took that money that everyone was donating it and actually put it towards, I don't know, the betterment of the United States? It's just crazy.
4: I found the number that for, for the all of the Republicans, it's $123 million for Iowa alone. Jeez. So all of them, I mean, what, three or four? Yeah. Damn. I have a new crush. And I bet Trump hasn't spent much of it. He hasn't spent any. He doesn't have to.
2: You want to hear I have a crush on? Yes. Crush. yes. She was just on television. It's a little embarrassing. Uh-oh. Who is it? I swear to God, it's real, though. It's Martha Stewart. Really? Well, she's
5: always taking those like hot selfies. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> she's always like in front of a mirror, like making a pouty face. I didn't know
2: what a, a thirst face. trap was. And I saw on my phone they're like Martha Stewart's new thirst trap. I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's Gatorade. <laughs> and I looked at it, and she's all like, you know, I mean, I know that they're shellacking her and, and washing her off with a uh, huh. with a fire hose.
7: She looks good though. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, the 82, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I could probably get her. Nothing wrong with that.
2: Once <laughs> well, she knows I'm in Shenyang. Oh, uh, no. A your, that's your, she comes to see that in Boca Raton. I'm like, it's on, boys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One more
5: story uh, before we take a break. Jill Biden calls her husband's age an asset. She says he's lived through history. He's wise. He has wisdom.
4: He has lived through all of history. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was Jesus like? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see him interviewed by like like what uh the insult dog oh, triumph. All that triumph? The, insult dog. <laughs> uh,
2: the ghost of Robert E. Lee comes back to
4: Haney's like, I knew Joe Biden. What was it like to watch the pyramids go up? Uh, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it.
7: <laughs> righty.
2: 353 DGS and KMOX all of us agree that it's been a good show, we're doing our job, but it doesn't feel real. No. (laughs) Because no one else is here. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's not here. No co-workers are here. The lights were turned off. There's no heat. It's too cold. It yeah. just feels like a dream.
4: That's weird. And there's a football game on TV. Yeah. yeah like right like behind we're... you, normally it's like the view, what, not the view, what's that other dumb show? The talk. the talk. That's usually on behind you and now it's the very odd Steelers and the Bills. It
5: feels like a practice mm. show. Like the real show is
2: after this. Oh, that'd work. Yeah. Wheels was, we brought up certs. Certs. Mints. The mints when we were kids. A little foil t- <laughs> And Rach said her grandma always had certs in church and it felt like eating candy, Mm -hmm. you know. My version of that is my mom always had double mint gum in her purse. Oh. And I always wanted it. And I would usually get it. And then when I grew up, And I had double mint gum that hadn't been in her purse. I'm like, where's the tobacco?
4: (laughs) 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 Yours had extra flavor. Mine
2: had extra flavor. (laughs) And as a kid, (laughs) you just think that's the way it tastes. Like, this doesn't taste at all like double mint gum.
5: (laughs) Or even just getting your first pack of gum that's just for you. And yeah, it wasn't at the bottom of someone else's purse. It's not all bent up and like an old stick. It's it's a new one. It's very nice feeling.
4: Dave, were you were you too old for when gum exploded? Into different varieties as a kid, because like, but when I was a kid, kid like young, I remember it was basically like double mint and then like juicy fruit. There's like three, and then you had bubble yum and oh, hubba yeah. bubba and a big league chew. Like that all exploded. Anyone it was so great?
2: Remember, I think it was called freshen up.
4: I do remember it,
2: and it was the first gum you'd bite into and get a gush.
4: Yeah, of like. It was like a little square. Yes. Yep. And then they had like mint inside or something. But
2: now looking back, it was more like biting into a Tide Pod. (laughs) Like there was nothing good about it. No. But it was new and you're like, oh, if you had this yet. It was basically
4: like mouthwash inside gum. Yeah. My favorite was, uh,
2: was it Hubba Bubba?
4: Yeah. There was the rope. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, my God. It was not the rope. We would have fights. Hubba Bubba was my favorite, though. You could hobble a dude. Was Hubba
2: Bubba the tape?
4: No, no, the, it, Bub's was, daddy. it was just, it, Bub's daddy. That's the one you're of thinking up. of. was the
2: regular one. It was regular, like Bub's the. Bub's daddy yeah, was yeah. the rope. Yep, yep, <clears throat> yep. I got sent home from school once because I won a three-foot-long Pixie stick, and I just mainlined it all. on recess. <laughs> <laughs> And I came back, and I'm just like running circles and screaming. We had the and dumbest candy, and right? Then we go home.
4: We had the dumbest candy. Here, just pour some sugar down your gullet. <laughs> then we had the candy, the gum cigarettes. Remember those? I would never use them. I was afraid <clears throat> someone would think I was smoking. We had they, they were. Have you seen these, Rach? <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: You, just, you could like blow out it. It would blow like powdered sugar into the air, like Steve you were and smoking. I were just Ridiculous. talking about them this when early. she and
2: eighty Luna were little. Uh, I bought them candy cigarettes against my better judgment and driving <laughs> around in the jeep <laughs> with the top off, and they're pretending to smoke. And I am like a grown man. I am like fifty, and I am like this is gonna go bad.
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy